Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's favorite show, which is, of course, Pagan Tonight Radio, and I'm your host, Ed the Pagan. I know it's been a while since you've heard me out there in the world, and I'm so glad to be here. We're going to be doing more broadcasting as we approach many amazing things. Uh, so we have the 20th anniversary of Witch School coming up, and you know, we don't talk about it, but next month is also the 12th year, the 12th or 13th year of, uh, of Pagan Tonight Radio and the beginning of broadcasting in this particular format. So as we know, we've been broadcasting since 1993 in one format or another. And during that time, one of the ways that I think we've earned our living, uh, I've earned my living, has been a tarot card reader. My partner, Don, at times, we've been tarot card readers especially when we've needed money for this project. We've actually acted on behalf of doing psychic fairs and other things in order to keep our media game going. We spend a lot of time and energy in developing media. So you don't really think a lot of um, the person I'm going to interview here or myself necessarily having sort of magical, the type of magical practices or tarot. But we're longtime tarot people. And we have a lot of energy. So I'm really excited to be here. So we're going to be talking to Reverend Don Lewis. You've been hearing a lot about him lately. You can see on Facebook, um, on various radio shows. He's been on um, uh, Open Loose with Greg Bornstein. He's been on, what is it, Witches and Wine? Yeah. Witches and Wine. So he's been making out a lot of it. And now he's got a Kickstarter project uh, that is just really kind of kicking butt right now. I'm really happy. About 20 days to go. And we realized we hadn't talked to our, our podcasting audience, which is a terrible, terrible shame. So, hi, Don. Hello. Uh, Reverend Don, I guess, you know, I'm casual. So, I want to see one thing. Um, I'll check that in a minute. We're always checking broadcasting. I'm always uh, a little, there's a lot of rust around the edges a little bit. <laughs> um so all we go off and start out with is that let's get right down to the thick of it. Tonight we talk about the Infinite Tarot. Yes. Okay. So you've talked about it a couple of times, but what is the Infinite Tarot? Well, the Infinite Tarot is at one hand a tarot deck, on the other hand a system of tarot. And the Infinite Tarot is based on the idea of taking the traditional tarot, if we want to call it that, and expanding it with additional ideas to um, – to widen its horizons, so to speak. The idea is that it um, that the basic tarot reflects our understanding of the universe and our place in it, and the infinite tarot more accurately reflects our understanding that the universe is actually a multiverse and that our place in it is far more diverse than perhaps we might have thought in previous generations. And uh, the way we're approaching this is through expansion decks and through added cards and uh, the Tarot of Hecate is the base card, the base deck for the uh, Infinite Tarot. And it is an expanded tarot deck in its own right in that it has a number of additional major arcana cards and an entire additional suit. It was created originally back in the 1980s, uh, was published in the early 2000s. And um, it's one, one of the uh, bases on which the idea of expanding the tarot deck uh, is grounded. Uh, to this, we have added a number of expansion decks, including a rune uh, set, 
a uh, numerology set, an astrology set, a set based on the muses of uh, classical mythology, a uh, Shenzhou Asian tarot or Asian astrology set, and um, and expanding in the future from there. When we uh, hit the 10,000 mark in the Kickstarter campaign, we're adding a deck of witches, which uh, has its own uh, interpretations, a suit of witches, I should say, because it's laid out as a tarot suit, where these others I've mentioned are not inherently. They are um, laid out according to their different disciplines. And this is both a very new idea, I think, but also a very old one, because when tarot was first created, Every tarot, of course, was unique. They were made by hand. There, there was no printing yet uh, to disseminate them. And all of those handmade tarots were made to order for the people who purchased them. And they often included a major arcana in particular that uh, was not necessarily the same as what we come to think of as traditional. Many of them were much larger. Some of them were smaller. Uh, and it was suited to the needs of the individual who had ordered the deck. And the infinite tarot is a return to that idea of suiting the deck to the needs of the individual rather than, than um, attuning the reader to a preset uh, deck. So, folks, if you want to call in and get a sample reading or have any questions for Reverend Don, 646-787-1928. Uh, so 646-787-1928. Give us a kind of call. We're going to be on for a little while, but I think I've got some. I've got some really interesting. Uh, I think questions for it. So we call it tarot, but you're actually bringing in a lot of different uh, divination systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've heard oracle cards and cardomancy. Mm -hmm. You know, sorting this all out. What makes tarot different than oracle cards or cardomancy, or why does people want to talk about it in these different types of ways? Well, cartomancy is any kind of reading with cards. So this okay. is a cartomancy system. Mm -hmm. uh, tarot is a cartomancy system. Any kind of oracle card is a cartomancy system. Um, what makes tarot tarot, in my opinion, is the basic structure, mm -hmm. which we're expanding but not truly departing from. And I think that that is the thing that I would uh, would emphasize. Yes, we have these different expansion decks, and uh, the person using the infinite tarot can remove or add cards at will. But the basis is still traditional tarot with, with its uh, traditional suits and its traditional major arcana. It's just expanded from that base. Mm -hmm. So unlike oracle cards, which are a completely different thing, uh, it's still, in my opinion, a, a form of tarot. Now, for example, if you were to take our astrology deck, which is one of the expansions, and read with it alone, uh, on its, in its own right, it would not be tarot. It would be a set of oracle cards. But as part of the larger infinite tarot system, it, it is uh, an aspect of tarot. That makes sense. So you talk about the suit of witches, and also you've got a wish card that you're going to create for the Kickstarter and only for the Kickstarter campaign. Yes, that will be the only place that one is released. And so do you see yourself creating something different? I mean... Let's talk about the last time I think tarot has really changed. Mm -hmm. Let's go back and let's give a little history lesson as best we can. Yeah. I really feel that Crowley's Toff deck and mm -hmm. also uh, the Rider Waite deck kind of created the industrial tarot complex, I would call it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it combined two things very important. They were a unified deck made by professional printers. Mm -hmm. And some of the first time professional printers had actually been 
used it's on certainly scale. more so, yes. And then U.S. Games came in and really got the rights to the Rider Waite and, and went to town because they basically were able to get into printing cards. You know, the same thing as uh, printing playing cards. So mm-hmm. we were able to print cards that on scale. Certainly in the United States mm-hmm. and um, and outside of Europe, I think U.S. Games mm-hmm. totally changed the, the world of tarot. Now, in Europe, tarot is also used as, as uh, a form of playing card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the European tarotscape is a little different for that reason. One of the reasons you see so many different European tarots is that there's a huge collector market for tarot in, in, in Europe that is very different from the United States. Mm-hmm. In the United States, tarot is almost exclusively used for divination, uh, except for a few people who play the, the European tarot games. Uh, and the, what, we, what we here would call playing cards are also used for div- divination traditionally. But in terms of, um, of changes in tarot, certainly when U.S. games came into the market and their choice to back the Rider-Waite-Smith deck as the principal deck, for at least half a century totally redefined tarot for, for many users. And uh, in North America introduced them in many cases to tarot where it had not really been common before that at all. Uh, not unknown, but not common. And uh, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck itself, which was in the early 1900s, was a total sea change for tarot because they approached it so very differently than it had ever been approached before. Two other things that make the Rider-Waite-Smith deck unique and revolutionary for its time, one was the extent to which um, they, they involved Kabbalistic concepts in the tarot, which really had not been connected previously. And the other was, of course, Pamela Coleman Smith's artwork. Uh, her tarot looked like nothing that had ever been published as tarot previously. Tarot before the, uh, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck looked a lot more like playing cards, just with different symbols, but she made it, made it into high art within the context of time and the printing technique they were using. And uh, she also introduced the idea of illustrating the pip cards of the Minor Arcana, which had never been done before. And that was a total change in the approach to tarot. Now, the Toth deck uh, by Alistair Crowley and Lady Frida Harris um, did not use the illustrated pip cards, but they they approached the pip cards in a very artistic way as well, uh, which was quite different than how they'd been done before. And even more than the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, uh, the, the Toth deck, approached tarot as high art. Uh, Lady Frida Harris, who did the the artwork at Crowley's direction, really did it to a very high level. And it was, um, I think, really the first art deck, to the best of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. It it, it used a much more modern printing system um, that reproduced her paintings, where previously tarot had been, been... Uh, basically black and white line art with or without color added. But uh, the Toast Deck was full-scale fine art painting. And uh, although it took a while for that that to multiply, it did really, I think, strongly influence the development of the modern tarot deck, which almost always now is done at that level. That's interesting. They always talk about Crowley having an influence on ceremonial magic and everything else. We don't think of him as being an influential with Lady Frida, mm-hmm. uh, being involved with the actual change in how tarot is read. 
But he, he absolutely was. And, you know, if you remember, which, of course, you do, but uh, some of our members will. Some of them will, will not have been born yet. But back in the 70s and the early 80s, particularly in the 70s, there were only two, two tarot decks, well, three tarot decks that were generally available, the Rider-Waite-Smith and clones of the Rider-Waite-Smith. And there were, there were clone versions such as the Hoi Polloi tarot, which was my first tarot, but they were all really close together. Uh, the Toth tarot and then the Marseille tarot, which was much, more, much older and more traditional. And yes, there were some art decks that were available, but not many at that mm-hmm. time. And chances are, if you went to a tarot reader, it would I, they would either be using the Rider Waite Smith or the or the Toth deck. Now there were others like the uh, the Palladini tarot, and um, I mean there were others, but tarot was very much dominated by by these three at that time. Whereas today there are thousands upon thousands of decks. Well, I think one of the biggest things that changed. You know, let's talk about our own history. Mm-hmm. You know, you were creating this deck. Why didn't you bring, why weren't you able to bring this deck out and say the 80s or the 2000s? That's a good question. And it's another thing that um, touches upon our age <laughs> that some of our, our listeners may not be old enough to understand. Uh, I did have a publisher I was working with back in the 1980s. I probably would never have finished the deck if I didn't. But I have been working with a company called Gemini Press for years at that time doing science fiction illustration. And then I became involved in pagan illustration. Uh, and the um, Gemini Press actually split just before I did the tarot deck. But I, I went with one of the two partners and she was going to publish the deck. But it had to be under very strict um, circumstances because of the difficulty and expense of publishing a card deck at that time. Uh, it was a black and white deck initially because color was simply uh, financially impossible uh, if you were not already in that business because the equipment that was needed to print a deck of cards at that time was highly specialized. Um, and the, the companies that had it and printed cards were not that easy to hire to do. I mean, you couldn't get them for a small run. Uh, it, w- it was a major proposition then. When we actually brought these cards out in the um, early 21st century, uh, we did, this was still kind of the case, but we happened to, um, our programmer Michael had a friend who uh, had a family card making company and they were willing to run them for us. But at that time, even then, we had to have that connection to someone who had the equipment in order to get them printed. Today, that's not true anymore. Now it's easy to get a deck of cards printed. It's amazing. And, you know, it's very much like, like we've encountered with podcasting and radio. I mean, we, we remember when we had to run out at midnight to the studio to get to be physically in the studio to get on the air uh, for our two hours of airtime in Evanston, Illinois, and, and other places that we did. Yeah, anywhere from 40 to $150 an hour. Yeah. And we thought, and that was the big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the all, all of the equipment that you needed an engineer to run mm-hmm. or special training. Now you do it through your computer and your phone. Uh, video, Magic TV. Um, when we when we first began working together, I w- was very involved in video. And I was in the process of trying to make an amateur movie which never came to fruition because because of various things. But one of the things was the cost of doing it. The things we can do today through, through magic TV 
the package that was necessary to do that then, which I was looking at trying to get, was like $20,000. Mm-hmm. And that was in the money of that day, not the money of this day. And it was more expensive, I'm sure, in modern money. I remember right before um, we, were, we were starting to do YouTube, and we really wanted to do some broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And we really had a chance to buy. I remember we were offered a chance to buy an entire camera truck. Yeah. We were going to buy that. We thought that would be the coolest thing. We would take our game up to the next one. It was $175,000. Mm-hmm. Today, the truck was 175000 The station itself was millions. The connection was probably tens of millions because it was a satellite or, you know, communication. Mm-hmm. And all of the costs that we would have had to get onto air just to do a cable show live from a, a section probably took it anywhere between 5 and $10 million minimum just to be a local cable station because we, yeah. we had a local channel that we could have been on. We just had to be able to broadcast and do all of that equipment. Um, today, that is all handled by my phone. I, I mm-hmm. tell people it's remarkable. We, we've rebuilt on everything. So let us talk a little bit about that, that one of the things that the Infinite Row, now that it's growing, has been an idea there. So I think one of the things that really influenced us and probably influenced both the, our ability to get cards printed today and also some of the ideology is Magic the Gathering. I was a big player right at the beginning. I remember that. Yeah, and it was like, wow. And I said, and people don't remember, people around me remember we need to do a tarot deck like this. And and we, we did cartoons and mm-hmm. a button. Yeah. Uh, the Urban Tarologist. Yeah. Tarotist. Yes, the Urban Tarotist. W- would you buy a used tarot card from this man? Mm-hmm. I would do a reading any place, any time. We were doing radio, and it was yeah. a great way to expand it. And I was earning my income from doing nightclub readings. Mm-hmm. And one of the hardest things is that people wanted to read with each other. Mm-hmm. And I had already begun a little bit of that process, but um, that I started reading groups. Mm-hmm. And when you read groups, you need 78 cards run out really fast. Yeah, it's a totally different discipline. And so I started creating, adding more cards. Um, one of the things I had the Aquarian, Aquarian uh, deck where I added a second Aquarian deck to it was one of the very first expansions I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so I could do couples and a little bit better. And then I would add other decks where people could pick them. Um, I think one of the things I'm of the age where Aquarian Tarot is, I was using right away, but Aquarian Tarot. Mm-hmm. But I also had a big belief in the discipline. So for me, the discipline was you read the cards. And I don't, so many readers at the time, and I think this is something that's changing too. So many readers at the time said, I have to have a very particular deck. I have to train my deck and everything else. And I was I remember I forgot to take out a deck and say, oh, that's terrible, terrible. But no, just went right up to the front counter, bought myself a new tarot deck, slapped them down, <laughs> shuffled them a couple of times in reading. And some of the people were just shocked. Mm-hmm. They said, have you ever read it with that deck? No, I've never read this deck. I mean, have you ever read with that style of deck? It was like every other deck. Mm-hmm. It was just a variation. I forget what it was. It was a variation on the Aquarian Tarot. But I thought it was very, people found it very shocking at the time of the other readers that I would just grab a random deck and just, start reading professionally right there at the moment. Now, you look like you want to say something. Well, a lot of people have all kinds of weird superstitions about tarot. And, you know, if you, if you, if you are bound by those beliefs, they, they will be true. But, uh, you know, I was talking about this with Greg Bornstein on, mm-hmm. uh, on his show the other day. Open Loops. Open Loops. You can find on Spotify and uh, Apple. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He does a lot of great stuff. And he did a really good job with that. Yeah. So. And you can even find it on my Facebook page. 
Even better. Uh, but one of the things we were talking about is how some people have to wrap their tarot cards in silk scarves and put them in little wooden boxes and beg them to, to read and deal with their temperament. And, mm-hmm. you know, my cards are lucky if I put them in a baggie. They work perfectly well. I, I heard you say that. That's, that's true. Um, well, you've seen me do it. Oh, yeah. 646-787-1928. I'm not going to give out the number a lot. We're going to get, we do more of this. We still have more time. Uh, we have like 22 days, and I think we're at like $9,100, mm-hmm. 62, you know, kind of people. Um, we are at, uh, 64 backers. Mm-hmm. And nine thousand one hundred and ninety dollars. Right. And we want to thank all sixty-four of those backers. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll want to become sixty-five. Yeah. And you can do that by going to tarotai.com. And that's an important aspect. So I want to get to why that name, because I think that's a very, I think people don't understand it very well. They don't know that it actually has a real meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all about it. So, so Magic the Gathering, I think, made card games more available. Mm-hmm. And I think the result of card games, card CCGs, card collectible games being available, I think it really made it more likely for printers. We're entering into that day where printers all over the world get to you get to bid for things. And, and I think that's a really important point that um, we were talking about how much easier it is to get a deck made now than it was. I think it is the collectible card industry mm-hmm. rather than the playing card or, or the divin- divination card industry that actually drove that. Mm-hmm. Because, the, I mean, the place where we get our cards printed also does that kind of uh, card all day long. Right. And uh, I think that's probably more where their bread and butter is. But they're also available to tarot makers. And I think that's that, that certainly has made everything easier. And so we get to the Kickstarter campaign. We put out your 100-card deck. Yep. We made, so let's talk a little bit about meeting the demands of the consumer. We also created a 78-card deck. Yes. And then we created a, a, an additional 22-card major arcana so you can turn the 100-card deck back into a 78-card deck. Yep. Seems a little redundant, but since you saw yourself such an expansionary person, why were you willing to go ahead and do that? Because some people like it. And, and you know, what? If, if, people, if people prefer that format, why not offer it to them? Um, and it's because of simplicity we can get printed smaller numbers. Exactly. Hmm. Um, you know, if if this were the old days, and the only way to, to publish a tarot deck were to have thousands of copies made in advance, uh, the idea of the infinite tarot would not fly because it would have taken a huge amount of, of, of upfront investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's no longer the case. And that totally changes everything. That's why it makes it possible that a Kickstarter campaign allows us to make our minimum orders and now we've way surpassed that so we're going to get to some bonus rounds here yes we're able to produce more for it and speaking of technology every one of these decks comes with a special card included that has a qr code that you can download the manual that goes with it which is something that could not have been done 40 years ago which makes this deck more affordable than that you didn't have to have this huge guidebook Exactly. But we do have that huge guidebook available, too. And the, the books are available in hard copy as well. And isn't it also available if you want to take the Tarot of Hecate course, the 100-card course? Yes. Isn't it free on Witchpool? It is. Uh, yes, it is one of our, our many free classes at witchpool.com. 
especially on tarot. And we have we have a large number of tarot classes, some of which are in the free section, some are in the supporting section. Uh, but uh, if you wanted to study tarot through witchschool.com, you could study it for a good long time before you exhaust the classes that are there. Mm-hmm. And many of our readers have gone on to be people have gone on to be professional readers. Yes. And we've done exercises that we've done psychic fairs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we have. But this year we're going to focus a little different. I think we're focusing on just teaching and supporting other people doing readings, our own students yes. doing more direct readings. And of course, this is our 20th anniversary year at Witch School. Mm-hmm. And isn't that a milestone? It is. So we continue to work with people and help people become professionals. I think that's an important part of what we do at Witch School. Yes, indeed. Um, I think you can be that, and we're going to probably add more more classes as we go along. Absolutely. Um, so check it out. Uh, you can check it out. Um, there's a lot of well, and and let, 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 me, let me interrupt you for just a moment since you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these decks that are expansions also have classes at which school or were based on classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shung Zhao deck is based on a, on a class on this form of Asian astrology. Let's go ahead and talk about that one because so few people have ever heard the term Shen Zhao applied to what they consider Chinese astrology. Well, it is the proper term. I don't swear I'm pronouncing it exactly correctly because although I, I have some facility uh, with Chinese, I, can't, I would not even remotely say that I speak it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the 12 signs of the, the Chinese animal zodiac, which is also found throughout Asia. And um, the illustrations were originally prepared for a class. And uh, we looked at them and said, you know, we can make a deck out of those. <laughs> and that's what we did. And that class is available uh, at witchschool.com. So why don't you call them Chinese astrology? Why did you start using the more nativist term, I guess? Uh, I just thought it was more proper, I guess. I um, um, I figured since I knew the term, I should use it. I, I, wa- I wanted to be respectful to uh, traditional culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you could see the cards, which I have in front of me, they also have, have the traditional name in Chinese characters on the card. And, um, of course, you can't mistake what they are because they're, they're very straightforward, very colorful cards. And um, they have a, have a red background, which is a, a good luck color in Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's, that's why I, I chose to use the term rather than calling it the, the Chinese zodiac cards or something. I thought it was more appropriate to... To, China, uh, to recognize the source material. Yes. As we try to get more and more authentic, we get closer and closer to it. Now, you have the runes card deck. That's yes. 24. And whatever. Okay, I know there's so many different types of runes. What runes are they? Uh, these are, are your more or less, um, they're the Futhark runes, mm-hmm. the ones that are most commonly encountered. Right. There are, however, dozens, dozens of different forms of runes. That's some what I was which, asking. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners have seen charts of, of the different forms of runes, runes during their, uh, their evolution. And, for example, you have things like Scandinavian staveless runes, which were only popular for a while because they were so simplified you couldn't read them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, for example, Anglo-Saxon runes, which are based on the Germanic Futhark runes, but are changed slightly. Um, and of course, the Anglo-Saxons were a Germanic people. 
Uh, but there, there are numerous different iterations of the runes, some of which are only slightly different and have certain letters that change. Some, like the Stavelis runes, are very, very different. Uh, but these are the Futhark, the, 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 the runes you most commonly encounter, and there are three I tier, and, um, and illustrated. And, of course, this is far from the first rune deck. Runes have been made into cards for years and years. But traditionally, they were often uh, engraved on stones. But it's hard to shuffle those into a, into a deck. So could you add eventually, so one of, is one of the goals maybe to add some other runes or just keep it the Futhark deck? Um, if, we found, if I found that people wanted some of the other, other runes, we could certainly add them. Um, it's been my experience that usually when people read runes, they, they read the Futhark runes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are other things that could be done. Uh, we could also possibly add bind runes for, for uh, certain things, mm-hmm. which are a form of runic magic. For, for example, for good luck. Right. Uh, which would have their own meaning when they came up in a reading. Um, they're, they're, they're not the same thing as runes, although they're often, often called by the same name because the term rune can refer to things other than Germanic alphabet. Right. But there was a whole medieval system of using... Um, similar symbols as a kind of sign, of sign language in building, which could be an interesting uh, base for a deck. Uh, in the half-timbered houses that you would see, the, sometimes the way they placed those, uh, those timbers had messages about who lived there or, for example, protection for the household, good luck, etc. So I already know the answer personally because I was involved <laughs> at the moment, but I'm trying to be a good guest and host. And um, so how, so there was a time, so where did you really, so you were, you were injured yes. in a major way. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a severe back injury severe. that left me, left me bedridden for a while and recovering for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, in one of those times, one of the ways we pass time, we pass time, is that we would do readings. Thousands of readings. Right. And then we would do different decks of types of readings. Um, and we would find various ideologies. Mm-hmm. But in, this one was where we started really exploring the idea of multiversality or choice. What we were really deciding was choice. Mm-hmm. The, the people would say, what do you mean by multiversality? And only in hindsight, I think we realized how deep we, we went into the idea of alternative selves, alternative lives, mm-hmm. alternative patterns in our future we can go to. Yeah. I mean, we saw all sorts of different decisions, but what we were really exercising was choice, and what I mean by choice is the choice of the question. Mm-hmm. Choice of where do we think we're, that reality was focusing itself to. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of the free will of choice? You know, when you, you talk about readings, everybody says, well, is, what hap- is... so let me back this up. One of the things I think that we learned out of that operation is that we had a choice over things. Mm-hmm. And, and that reading that many cards and reading that many futures Necessarily come to pass, though we followed a path that really did come to pass. Oh yes, very I mean, much what, so. The one we want most to come to pass, we came pretty close. Yeah, we did. And this re- and this Kickstarter is actually right down in the heart of that, and see if we can do better with it. But also the fact is, is that a lot of them could never come to pass because we got too far. We made those decisions. Mm-hmm. People say, well, when I get a reading, does it absolutely have to come true? Is there any way I can avoid it? Is there's this idea that if you do a tarot card reading, it kind of 
cements the idea in stone. Well, I would I, I would certainly not say that, mm-hmm. but I will recognize that there there are. I'm sure many other readers who have a different point of view, but most of the readers I've known would agree that uh, the whole point of having a tarot reading is to tell you what will come from making certain choices so you can decide if that's the choice you really want to make. Mm-hmm. And that um, as a general rule, tarot is very good for helping you to uh, to see where the problem will come and avoid it if you can. So... Um, I don't see it as being necessarily written in stone. I think there are certain things that you, you will find you cannot avoid. I think that's just part of life and part, part of the nature of fate. But by and large, I think tarot is to help you to refine where you're going and what you're, what you're going to encounter there. And if what, what, um, well, say you're thinking of starting a new, a new venture and you, um, you got a reading for this and it was negative you could make the choice not to do that venture and avoid all of that altogether. Or you could have another reading for what will happen if you change this or if you change that, and it will lead you in different directions. And even having started out on a certain direction, if you make changes, you will change where it's going, Uh, except for major life lessons. And even then, I think they can be rearranged in various ways. So a reading is like a ripple in the, you're tossing a stone in the river and causes ripples. Yes, and one of the things that is inherent in this is the idea that for the soul, not for your individual point of consciousness, but for your soul, all of these different paths are likely to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're, you're working with multidimensionality, you'll only see the one that you're experiencing, but that doesn't mean the other ones have not come into being. Uh, in different parts of the multiverse. And when we do a tarot reading, part of what we're looking for is how we're going to thread our way through that multiverse. Mm -hmm. And um, the analogy that I like comes actually from the Planet of the Eight movies back in the 1970s, that time is like a multi-laned highway, Mm -hmm. and you can change your lane, and you can change your lane again. Uh, And I believe... And the Corellian teachings hold that the soul is constantly weaving from one lane to another, but the conscious mind is not normally aware of it. Part of what we, we hope to find through tarot is when to change that timeline and, and how to, um, to, to um, well, for want of a better way to put it, how to, how to avoid an accident on the road. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. So... We've got this tarot deck, and it's got these beautiful infinity backgrounds. Yes, created by Marianne Kay, whose mm-hmm. birthday is today. Happy day. happy birthday, Marianne. Well, that's true. Um, you've got these individual different cards. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't like any of the cards. Mm-hmm. I don't like them well enough, but I don't see myself into it. You've got a solution for that, don't you? Yes, we do. Can you talk about that? Um, in the Kickstarter, it's called Create a Card. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an option that you can choose where you create your, well, will be a, um, a portrait card that is you uh, in the form of whatever card you choose to be. Uh, or it can be whatever, whatever card that you would like. It doesn't have to depict you personally if you don't want it to. Or it can be symbolic. 
Uh, we have one person who um, has asked to be represented in their in uh, the form of their um, I guess would say their 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 animal familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on another where um, the the subject will be portrayed as the high priestess card from the major arcana. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be um, they can be done through photo collage. If you've seen the uh, Corellian ancestor cards, they're an example of photo collage. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one way the personal card could be done, or it could be uh, a a drawn portrait of you, like we have in uh, the Tarot of Hecate. Um, and as I say, it can also be purely symbolic if you prefer. But you can have your own personal card that is unique to you, and it can be made. It can be incorporated into into the wider system. And either way, when you order that one, which is a four hundred dollar Kickstarter prize, yes, it is. You get a full deluxe set of all the cards, yeah, and any bonuses that are in there, plus a hundred copies for yourself. Yes. So you will get one hundred copies of your card, no matter what. And if you push the option, you can also then make sure that everybody who gets a bonus, they can get a bonus card just by your generosity. Anyone who buys the Tarot of Hecate hundred card deck or above. Yes, indeed. Now, and imagine the effect if you're a reader mm-hmm. that you're going through the reader, reading and out comes your personal card with your face on it. Actually, that'd be pretty powerful. I, I would think that would that would be a pretty unique moment and, and very mm-hmm. uh, very gratifying in its way. And you could buy this for personal clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a very good thing that you can buy for personal clients. Could be a gift for a tarot reader, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, having them be able to do so. I also think it's good for store. Mm-hmm. They can make themselves into various types of things. Yes, indeed. I mean, like a, a temple could make themselves into the high priestess card or the emperor card. Mm-hmm. I think a store for em, an emperor store would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and and it's worth saying you don't have to be one of the conventional cards either. Mm-mm. Uh, you you can um, you can you can name the card wh- whatever you want it to be because it's your card that we're creating. It could be a really powerful quarant and tie into other people's readings so that they they know of you on a, on a more magical level. It could be a lot of fun with that. Yes. And this is not the, you know we don't know if that's going to be a service that we're going to provide in the future or not, but it's it's right now exclusive to this Kickstarter campaign. Yes. Um. If you want more cards than that, come write us and we can talk about, you know, adding that to it. Because we could possibly even do a city. Could you imagine doing your entire store staff? Oh, that would be that would be as very a, interesting, as a yes. So that, you know, people read in, they go, yeah, absolutely, you know. The ace of cards would be the store and then it would be, you know, that idea. What are some of the, like, so, so once this, this Kickstarter campaign is done. Yes. People will be able to still order this. Yes, it will be available through CorellianPublishing.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we, I mean, ex- except for exclusive things like the wish card, mm-hmm. uh, these items will, will, I mean, the whole point of the Kickstarter is to make them more widely available. And we hope that they will be found in stores as well. Absolutely. And these will be, you know, Marks, they make these very early collectibles, we suspect. Yes. Um, do you plan to bring on more suits? Do you have Absolutely. Any, do you have any planned? Uh, we've talked about a suit of psychic abilities mm-hmm. where each of the different cards will, will depict um, a common form of reading, such as mm-hmm. psychometry, cartomancy, tesomancy, or I should say tesiomancy, mm-hmm. um, and so forth. 
Uh, we've talked about a fairy deck. We've even talked about, we won't mention the names right now. We've been talking about bringing an outside artist for that one. Yes. And, uh, and we're also talking about a crystal web deck that will be fa- focused on uh, the use of crystals in magic and uh, energetic work. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things we've talked about. Yeah, I've thought about the machine. Yeah. I've thought about, you know, because I'm a computer nerd. Yes. Uh, kind of representing the machine aspect. But that's just what, what, what you're talking about, is they'd be able to start showing more imagery. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And some people say, well, let's just be more cards I have to memorize. Well, that depends on how you read. Mm-hmm. Many people who read cards have a general idea of the meanings, but they go, but they go by what the artwork makes them feel, what the artwork suggests to their psychic senses. Um, I tend to be, I, when I read, I was talking about this with Greg Bornstein also, but when I read, I start from reading the card, but once the flow begins, uh, it goes where, where my, my psychic senses will take me. It goes where my clairvoyance will go. Uh, but you know, if you, um, are reading with any card deck, um, and your, and, and, um, this is why some people prefer one deck to another and also why these different expansion decks can be helpful to a reader because they will, they will follow the feelings that it gives them, not mm. necessarily its book meaning. And I find at times that um, what I understand as the normal meaning of a card is not what's required in that reading. It will tell me something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you don't necessarily have to memorize them. Uh, you can you can go by by just what they suggest to you and still be doing a perfectly good reading. So a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and the deck is about to be delivered in September. Mm-hmm. It's called the Alimentaro. Yes, that was a huge influence in not pushing us because we'll be honest, they had booster packs and we had been sitting on this for a long time. We had been sitting on this for a long time, and we knew that oh my God, we were in trouble. Yep, a little bit, and I feel that's it's for the artist. Um, I think they did a beautiful job. They told a beautiful story. I think they did a really good. And they brought out. Yeah. They, they started out with a 135 card deck. Now they went. So so let's talk about a little bit of difference. And and now there's a Facebook group called the Alley. And now people are now finally embracing what I've been doing for years, which is mixing and matching decks. Yes. Now so the common way of mixing and matching decks is that you have three, four, five, six, seven decks on your table, mm-hmm. and then you use it to do the reading. You yeah. pick you pick a deck, and you start that becomes the first decision or choice they make. They help set the reading, mm-hmm. and then they usually use that deck. Um, I've been known to then go like if I didn't like if I thought the question was different, I have a deck that's more body oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a health card or a body, so I grab that deck. So we'll pick a card or two or three out of this. Mm-hmm. So I've used that sort of the idea of keeping the decks whole mm-hmm. using multiple decks. Yes. And I've mixed some decks before, but I found when I did that, people found that uneasy. They found them sloppy. They found all sorts of things. <laughs> and I really appreciate the Alleman Tarot kind of breaking that. Because now there are groups who are taking old tarot decks, mm-hmm. breaking them down, sometimes trimming them into new decks. And they're calling them all sorts of different things. Yeah. And this is a relatively new phenomenon. And it, even the, mm-hmm. um, the great uh, Alleman Tarot has not been delivered about two or three more weeks. Check out the Alley uh, Facebook group if you want to find out more. Look at the Alley Women's Row. I think they were brilliant. I have to give them. They were brilliant. Yes, indeed. Um, and you can help us do that. Just help us raise 
another $1.4 million. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they did. They earned about one quarter. Mm-hmm. So, and now they're making these sort of tarot decks. Tarot decks, you know, they're talking about trading individual cards because individual cards are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Are we coming to a point where tarot is starting to resemble other types of collectibles or high collectibles? Are we looking at the new coin collecting phase? Are we looking at something over the long run like um, you know, Magic's Gathering cards? Are we looking at fine art collections? Well, I mean, people have been collecting tarot cards for a long time. Uh, Janet Barras, who was the head of the International Tarot Society, had how many thousand cards? 14,000 different decks, I believe. I think 1,400. 1,400. Yeah, it was probably 1,400, but, that was but years it looked ago. like 14,000. That was years ago. That was, yeah, that was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, huge number of decks that she, that she collected, and there were many other collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was rare for people to actually be collecting them, and I think it's becoming a much more common collectible. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the developments that we've been talking about are going are making it much more collectible, but also interactive in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of um, the evolution of people's personal personal tarot practice and their their individual decks into new and different forms, such as for example the hybrid deck that's made from many other decks. And yes, some people have been doing this. You did this years ago, as we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think now, its time has come, and uh, it's a very popular thing. Uh, not. Um, not something that a few individuals might be doing, but something many people are doing. Well, for me, the, uh, the urban terrorist, one of the ideas of would you buy a used car from this man? Because I was starting to buy broken decks that mm-hmm. people had because they would lose cards and they didn't know what to do. So you'd have to buy a whole new deck. And I said, well, let's give me the broken deck and I'll start storing them. And uh, the idea that I was going to, you know, people would write me to replace cards, individual cards mm-hmm. that were lost or damaged. Mm-hmm. And while that didn't become a fruitation, it might yet happen. It might. And, you know, I think there's been a change in people's attitude toward tarot. I think the younger generation maybe are less superstitious about it. Maybe they're more laid back I've, about it. I've got a story about that. Because, um, I mean, back 30 years ago, many people were horrified about the idea of, of adding a card to their deck. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were kind of hidebound in how they looked at it. But the Toast deck did have two new extra cards right from the beginning. Yes, and the, and the Toast deck is a very good example of some of the roots of this practice for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they were not, I don't believe they were included in the in the in the first published versions, but later they were included right. because. Lady Frida Harris had painted them. They, did, they wanted the paintings to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so for many people who are reading with the Toast deck, they would have three magician cards. Right. And each one had a slightly different meaning, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how you chose to read it. Um, I, don't think, I don't think the different meaning was canon, but, you know, you looked at them, and each, each of them had a different feeling about mm-hmm. them. And that could give them a different meaning in the reading. So, you know, it's not that new an idea. Mm-hmm. But it's taken a long time to come to fruition. Yeah, because I was watching them today. They were trading cards on that Facebook group. Yeah. Nationally and internationally. So it's very interesting. And people are saying, should I break up this deck? I don't really like it. Well, you know, um, 
the people who are today's generation of tarot readers grew up with this kind of uh, trading card game, mm-hmm. which was not the case for the previous generation. So we can't even joke about that. I mean, because there was a day we were in the middle of really building this campaign. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we were looking at ways to bring it, and we had started bringing out the deck, and we were going to finance it ourselves. And the Alamon Tarot and uh, the Literary Tarot, another fantastic idea. Yeah. Every card was represented in a different book. And yes, they, uh, that sort of thing. So beautiful. And they were doing really well, and they deserved to do really well. And in the middle oh, man, you're just using ordinary tarot. You should get this booster. So I had a reading that we, we had the booster deck of an elf, an elf and, <laughs> and this thing. I don't remember what it was. Booster pack. And they told me not only I was going to have problems, but I was going to have a problem with my Xerox copy machine on this day. You should really look at getting it. And they were talking about boring decks. And it was a joke. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God, they're too close to us. Because <laughs> yeah. that's one of the things you're hoping to is get more artists involved, mm-hmm. more individuals involved, and be able to build decks that for people who want them. Yeah. They were able to build more of a tarot platform. Yes. For that. I mean, tarot platform is a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is working rather like a platform. Well, and you, we've even talked about taking another idea of CCGs of getting sleeves. Yes. That allows people to add cards from them in other decks without having to have them printed in our style just by having similar sleeves. Yes. The only way that's going to happen is if we continue to fund as much as we can these early campaigns. Yes. And the campaign we have now at tarotii.com uh, is, you know, right there. And and people ask us, well, we're going to print them more. Yes. But getting into the Tarot AI not only makes it unique, but you're going to have some unique features in it. You'll be able to say as we make it into a more flexible aspect. One of the ideas we are planning to do and to keep in that vein of being collectible is the infinite tarot decks. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that we're going to probably add, show you what the original decks were that were black and white. We're going to show you some of the early color. Every time we bring out a set, we're going to go ahead, and especially if there's a variation in it, Yes. we're going to be able to do it. We even have one. Uh, we even have a, uh, a deck which has already got our first error card. If you ever get one of them, yes. you've got one of them. You hang on to it. It's, and I'll tell you what it is. It's the, uh, what is it? The Temperance. 19th of Temperance? Um, I think so. Let me look. It's sitting right here. Um, for some reason, the temperance card was misnumbered. Yeah, they have it as 19. Instead of 14. Instead of 14. So we even have an error card in the system. If, you get, yeah. if you've get, if gotten one of those out there and you got it, it's mm-hmm. probably going to become a collectible. You know, sort of thing. So, you know, we tried to do like everything else, catch it before we went out in the market. But the idea is that we'll record that as a tarot deck. Somebody says, oh, that can't be it. That's a fraud. It's important. No, it's a 19, not 14. Yeah. You go into tarot. Oh, wait, you might have a very rare card. Yes, indeed. And this will allow people to start trading cards individually as we mm-hmm. develop more of these ideas. And although I was horrified by the uh, the mistake, after I, I feel fairly good that it's the only mistake we found out of all these cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, we had ordered a few before we found it. Now, overall, we're looking at a $150 package, eventually retail package for the entire collection. Yes. But right now, you have it at 129 
dollars with no shipping actually. Yeah. That was not intended, but we will <laughs> live by it. Yeah. Um, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. It's an act of faith. Right. And if he and there's only like like sixty of those left. Mm-hmm. So if you really want those, you have to really think about getting them early because if you wait until the end of the campaign, you'll be paying another twenty dollars more and shipping. Yeah. Uh, on it. So we really want to reward the first people who are involved with it. Yes, indeed. So one last thought. So one last thought I've got on this. So the infants rose out there. We're getting it out there. There's going to be more lessons and everything else. Uh, we're talking about Tarot Platform. We have the name tarotai.com. Yes, tarotai.com. And this is an idea that's near, very near and dear to us, mm-hmm. is the idea. We already have a tarot. If you go to a program reader, Mm-hmm. tarotai.com you can see the beginnings of a tarot program we built a while ago that we call the social tarot program where you could have multiple decks and and that has another deck that you're involved with uh, we jokingly it's called we call it the cartoon tarot yes we've, we've called it the cartoon tarot uh, when we first created the the tarot reading the, the tarot reading program mm-hmm. um, we felt given the technology of that time, mm-hmm. that we needed a simple deck with simple images. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think also we just wanted, wanted something new and different. Right. And so I designed the, the deck for it in very simple geometric forms, which actually turned out to be really appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, decks I've created. Uh, and it, um, it's cute. I don't know quite else what else to say for it. And yet it also uh, is a, a perfectly good tarot deck with, with actual symbolism and everything, mm-hmm. but rendered in this very um, primitivist art, for, art art style. We've often joked called it South Park deck. Yes. It's called South Park deck. It looks a little bit like characters in South Park. looks a little bit like, um, what were they called? Um the little little children's um, very simple dolls that mm-hmm. um, paper dolls or no they were wooden in, well in my day they were wooden today they're plastic they're still out there but not mm-hmm. not, not weevils but they're they're little round headed wooden wooden mm-hmm. figures um but um very it's very simplified but more complex than it looks. And the expectation is to develop this program to allow people to either be assisted with the reading, yeah. so they can use it too as an as a online reading program with all of these potential cards, mm-hmm. and or as a reading program in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the people do use it. I, I use it myself. Right, and so that we're developing that, and that'll eventually be the idea of the infinite row. Yes. And everyone who wants to see the list, we actually have... Um, Exactly where, oh, um, where we actually have gone. Oh, journey.tarotii.com, where we actually talk about the process of the underlying program that will eventually be required. So we're not, we don't hide any of this. It's not like we're trying to be secretive about it. In fact, if somebody beat me to it and built a tarot AI program, I would just say, can we license it? Um, I'm not a big believer that we're, that there's there's so much of possibility that I'm never worried about a lack of abundance. Yes. And in saying that, so do we think, do you think that this tarot, I don't know what to call it. It's almost like the Cambrian age of tarot. You know, we're seeing a very big diversify. I saw another deck that's coming online 
It's using hexagons, and so they can put it together with crystal grids and all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Are we going to continue to see this sort of growth of tarot, or are they going to flood their market and burn themselves out? Are they going to continue on to grow? Um, I th- I, you know, I think to some extent all of these things are true. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of growth in the future, and then it will stabilize, as mm-hmm. such things do. Uh, I think right now it's very, very popular, mm-hmm. and there will come a point where it's merely popular. But yeah. I don't think it's going to go away. So I look at magic. So, so people, when I was playing, you know, a lot of times, there have been a lot of businesses that people said, oh, that's just a fad. That's just a fad. It's not going to last. And it's true. Magic the Gathering, when people got, oh, it's just an interesting. It's not as fun as D&D. It's not as fun as everything else. It eventually ate the company, Wizards of the Coast, which made Magic the Gathering, would eventually eat almost every other game because Magic the Gathering did so well. Mm-hmm. Pokemon did well. There's Yu-Gi-Oh cards that came out of that. Yep. Digimon cards. And there's like hundreds of card systems now. A lot of them didn't make it. I mean, in any case, a lot of them didn't make it, but some of them have made it not only that. Now, some of them are household words. And like Magic the Gathering is really well known, along with Dungeons and Dragons. But some of those early cards are worth thousands and thousands of dollars. They just had a black moat loaded sell for $40,000. Wow. And I think that's going to be true. And we've heard of this before now with tarot decks. Some of the older decks from the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th century have been bid up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yes. Because of the rarity of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, the, the kind of decks we're talking about in that case were, were mostly handmade for particular patrons. So mm-hmm. they're one of a kind. Um, and even though there might be some similar ones by the same artist, no two will be exactly alike because they were done by hand. And even some of the early printed ones where you have limited runs mm-hmm. have the same thing where they're not as valuable. Yeah. And even some of those early printed ones where that might have been a large run, that doesn't mean many of them are still around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and, true, true of modern decks, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there have been so many decks that I'm, I'm sure tried to get published, got out a little way, and then kind of dropped out. Anomalies. And we, we've talked, we were talking the other day about how during the French Revolution, um, the people in France were so anti-monarchical that they had to change their tarot decks. Mm-hmm. And the court cards were sent into exile and replaced with, with, with uh, French Republican symbolism instead. And uh, I've wondered about that, about communism. I, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. If we found that out. So I do know that one of the things that is happening is that you have tarot decks made around movies. Actually, that one 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 of the things that significantly influenced 20th century tarot that doesn't get a lot a lot of credit is James Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used a tarot deck in one of their movies uh, for the tarot reader whose name I believe was Solitaire, played by Jane Seymour who at the time was often billed as the most beautiful woman in the world. Um, either they couldn't get the rights to use a conventional one or, or they just wanted a unique one, and they created a very unique deck for her to use in that film, and then they published it. And I think that, um, I think that did, did, I think that played a role in opening the door to the wide diversity of de- designs that uh, came later. And if you've ever seen that deck, it, it's very much of its time. It's very, um, 
very avant-garde, very geometric in its way, and very colorful. Live and Let Die, 1973. Yes, indeed. And they showed the tarot deck of it. The James Bond tarot. And they originally had Dolly's cards in it, but they cut it out. Mm. Um, yeah. And let's see real quick. We're looking it up real quick. Ooh, $1,100. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you have the beauty of horror. Here you're, uh, wow. Beauty or horror. Albert Roberts, it's Fear Your Future Tarot, a gorgeous coloring <laughs> set. Um, 58 reviews, $19.67. And uh, it's available. And that was a color your own tarot? It was a color your own tarot. It's called Beauty or Horror. You had to, you know, make it, you had to color it the way you wanted to. And and that, that goes to what we were talking about earlier, about mm-hmm. the Tarot of Hecate originally being a black and white deck that people could have colored if they wanted to. In the 80s, a lot of decks came out that way because it was financially accessible to make a black and white tarot for, for some mid-sized producers mm-hmm. or small producers. And they would use that to raise the money for the color version. And the Sisters of the Moon Tarot uh, came out that way originally as a color-your-own tarot before they, they were able to bring out their, uh, their, their full-color version. Absolutely. So this has been used in many times, and this makes it all very collectible. And I think we'll eventually see more museums. I, I, I guarantee you'll eventually see a museum of Tarot. Mm-hmm. I believe currently the only one is in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is one. Okay. There's one in the whole world, if it's still there. So I think we've really uh, – this has been a fun exploration. I give the people some more feel of what we're doing. Um, how they can become involved. If you're an artist, contact Don directly. There's a lot of different ways. Don Lewis HP yeah. at AOL.com or check him out on Facebook. He's there a lot. Yeah, Rev Don Lewis. Rev Don Lewis. You know, check it out. Um, you know, kind of talk to him if you're interested in us being part of this project and see what we can do for you. Um, if you want to buy these decks, maybe with the last word tonight, Don. Anything else you have to add? Um. Well, I think the thing that I would add is that the the whole idea behind the infinite tarot is to make it your own. Most tarots just are what they are. Either you like it or you don't. Uh, this is one that you can you can change and tweak to uh, to your own personality. And I think uh, I think that speaking as a longtime reader, I think that's a very good thing. And so if you would like to learn more, tarotai.com, and um, you can learn all about it, and perhaps you'd care to join our backers. And terrific. And watch for more information through our podcast. If you really like this podcast, leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. And uh, go ahead and share this out. And we'll be back with even more. As you know, we do Elder Talk. We're going to be doing more. Uh, podcasting as per, and then Zoom casting. We're doing a lot of Zoom casting over at Tarot AI and uh, Facebook of various types, as well as on YouTube, Magic TV. So you can check out all of those, but I think we're going to start getting ourselves back into doing more of the podcasting. So I forgot how much I enjoy podcasting. So 
We'll yeah. be back again, and we'll talk soon. And we'll be back about more infant tarot. Give us your questions. Let us know. Check it out. Um, here we are, you know, and, that, and that's pretty simple. So Yes, indeed. So let's say good night, folks. Good night, folks.